If you think back to when you were in school, you probably were taught the rules of grammar. You know, you, may, you might use grammar every... I don't mean the grammar that used to make you cookies when you were young. I mean, you know, the rules of reading, writing, how English works. We're going to have a little bit of a refresher here this morning. Just make sure everybody's kept up on it, right? Yeah. Okay, you ready for this? Some important rules of grammar. Keep these in mind. Verbs has to agree with their subjects. Okay, good, you're getting it. You know, first service, they didn't really get it. Few of them, just I could see their eyes twitch like they were having a stroke. Uh, avoid cliches like the plague. It's not good. Yeah. No sentence fragments. Yeah, these are good ways to communicate. You know, right? Yeah. Remember, all generalizations are bad. And last one, the passive voice is to be ignored. funny watching the English majors when I do this. It's like I'm just running my fingernails down a chalkboard. It's... But that last one, you know, I remember when I was in school, people had a lot of problems with the difference between the passive voice and the active voice. You know, the passive voice, nothing's really happening. Things are happening to you. You know, the passive voice is to be ignored. The bike was ridden. Active voice, something's happening. He rode the bike. And that difference between active and passive, it catches a lot of people in school. They, they can have a lot of difficulty with it, but it can also catch us in life. Because we wait for life to happen, for us, happen to us sometimes. We want the job offer to fall from the sky. We want to get swept off our feet. We think things are just going to happen. That somewhere, at some point in life, the, all of a sudden, it will become better. We're waiting for the ship to come in so we don't take action. Dealing with Christian college students, you see this a lot. You get a lot of students that, you know, they're not doing anything. What, what are you doing? Oh, I'm waiting on the Lord to lead. Well, you got to do something so we can lead you. If you're into boating, you can't turn a boat that isn't moving. If you want your car to change direction, you got to be going in a, in a direction, right? Go, you go, go out there when you leave and sit in your car with the brakes on and turn your wheel from side to side. Your car is not changing direction, not till you get moving. And we've been talking about spiritual disciplines, those things we can do that help us grow closer to God, that help us become more like Christ. Friends, we're not going to become closer to God by doing nothing. You will not sit there occupying a not-quite-as-comfortable pew as you might like it to be, and 50 years down the road suddenly decide, oh, I've become like Christ. I've be I really, really am close to God. I've done nothing, but it happened. That's not how it works. It takes action to grow in, to grow in Christ. Do you want to have more God in your life? Do you want to be closer to Him? Do you want to have a relationship with the Creator? It will not happen if we are not about His work. And there's a lot of work to do in the kingdom. If any of you have ever studied organizational leadership, you probably uh, uh, were, have become acquainted with the 80-20 rule. 
the 80-20 rule. And this isn't just a church thing. I learned it in church leadership, but it, it applies in business. It applies in any kind of organization. 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people, which means 20% of the work is done by 80% of the people. you got a lot of folks who aren't pulling their weight. You think, well, really? It's like that? Hey, how many group projects did you ever do in school where everybody pulled their weight? I love that saying. When, when, when I finally die, I want my pallbearers to be the people I was on a group project with so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> and you look around your office sometime, you're going to notice this. But there's a lot of folks that aren't doing much. You know those times when you have to send that little message as per my last email? It's business ease for Mikey can't read. Not everybody's that invested. A lot of folks won't go out of their way at all. That is an iron law of any organization. But, that does, but the thing is, even though that rule holds, there's a lot of work to do. And it can look like things are fine, but they never really are. It looks like everything's getting done, but sometimes things are pretty close to falling apart. You know, you can look around church and you think, man, there's not a lot that needs to be done around here. We got some really excellent people doing a lot of work, and they've really got it going great. You know what? Those folks kind of need a break sometime. They could use a little bit of help. And in church, we very often get very concerned with getting a worship service to function or staffing the youth programs or doing outreach or fellowship functions. You know, we're coming up to VBS. When we come up to VBS, Preston just starts looking at that list and man, I hope we get everything covered. And while we want that, there's more than that to do. Those are just kind of the official functions. If a worship service or a VBS or something like that, if that's all that's going on in a church, friends, we got a very sick community of God. We're not healthy. There's a lot more that has to be done. We need people to visit the sick and the homebound, to encourage the troubled. We need mature believers to instruct and mentor the younger believers. And more. In a healthy community of God, there's really no end to the things that need to be done. If you look throughout the Bible, if you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look, I'm going to see what sort of things are done throughout the covenants. You know, what kind of work needs to be done in God's people. You look at the Old Testament, you have the Levitical priests. They're kind of the ones who are doing the work in the Old Testament. The tribe of Levi. They have their own roles with worship at the tabernacle, later at the temple, and responsibility of teaching people throughout the land. But in the New Testament, it's much more distributed. We don't have a priestly class. I'm reminded of a quote by Carl Ketcherside, his grandson Griff used to attend here. Carl Ketcherside once was having a discussion with, I think it was a Jesuit, and he said, you know, I'm a priest too. And he said, really, what order? He said, the royal order. The apostle Peter wrote, you, describing all Christians, said, you are a royal priesthood. Friends, we don't have one class of people getting it done. It's all of us now. 
That priestly class has expanded to every believer. And at no point is one person expected to do it, to do it all. You can't say, well, that's why we got a preacher. Folks, there's only one of me. And there's some things I can do well, and there's some things I'm going to do awful. I can't do it all. It's always need, it always needs to be a team effort. There's a lot of work to be done for the kingdom. And it's not going to get done supernaturally. God never assigns his angels to come in and fill in the gaps. You ever notice that in the Bible? That God doesn't say, well, Paul can't quite make it to Rome yet, so we're going to send an angel there to preach. It doesn't happen. God's supernatural messengers are never tapped to do the jobs that humans can do. There's a lot of work out there. So what now? Well, there are a couple passages in the New Testament that point us to how things are supposed to work. How we are to think when it comes to serving in the kingdom. What our mindset ought to be. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. The whole body, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And later on, as he writes to the church in Ephesus, he keeps using this body image. Where he writes this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes." Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What's the answer? The answer is we are to each pitch in and serve. Paul uses this image of the body for the church, and you know your body has multiple parts. As Paul explains this, it almost gets comical. What if the whole body were an eye? Kind of sounds like one of those 1950s horror movies, you know, the gigantic eye that has come for you. But in a body, each part must be functioning in order for the body to be healthy and to work well. A healthy body, everything's there, everything functions. you just have one part, you don't have a body. If you're watching a detective show and they find one part, they're looking for the rest of the body. 
Any of you ever watched the show House MD some years ago? You know, the, you know they're always trying to figure out what, what's wrong with somebody. At one point, I was watching that show, and you know, Dr. House, in his own special way, makes a comment, said, you need one to live, that's why they call it a liver. You know, the liver is not, very, not a very glamorous part of the body. You never look at somebody and be like, that person looks like they got a good liver. I mean, if you, you say that, people are going to kind of take a couple steps away from you. They ain't thinking of Dr. House. They're thinking of Silence of the Lambs now. But if you don't have one, you got a problem. You need everything. And it all has to work in order for everything to work right. And he said, likewise, the church has different parts. We're not all alike. You ever notice that? Look around in here. You know, you see a lot of folks. We don't look like each other. I mean, we, if, if you look, you, know, you might be like, well, you know, we're all kind of white suburbanites here. But that's only a very superficial way of looking. We're from different backgrounds. Different faith histories. We have different interests, different abilities. We're not all the same. And that's a good thing. Because I shudder to think of what a church would be like if everybody was like me. Everybody would get my jokes, and that's kind of frightening. I got a weird sense of humor. It's nice to know we got a few normal people up in here. But if everybody was like me, can you imagine what a tragedy that beautiful, special music would have been? I'm not much of a singer. Matter of fact, if I was doing a special music, y'all might be sitting there thinking, There's a, man, I could do without the ears on my body right now. Nobody wants to hear that. No, we're each different. But that doesn't mean you're unnecessary or I'm unnecessary. As Paul says, you know, if you have a foot and it says, man, I'm not an eye, I'm no good at all. Well, the eye can see. But if the eye's going places, it needs the foot. We need each part. No one person, no one type of person can do everything. We need a variety, of, a variety of people, each doing what God has created them to do. If you want everything to get done, you're going to need a lot of different types of people. Just like if you want a healthy body, you need a lot of different parts. You know, medical school, I'm presuming the first class that the doctors take, they learn that the foot bone is connected to the leg bone, the leg bone is connected to the knee bone, you know, so on and so forth. The body's got parts because it needs parts. And in the church, we have parts because we need parts. That's why I love that Paul uses that body image because it makes this point very vivid for us. It, it gets it across to us in a way that matters, in a way that each of us relates to. As he makes the point that no part is unnecessary. There's no part that we can say, oh, we don't need that. 
And that's the case whether we're trying to push others away or if we're deliberately withholding our service. Sometimes, and this is how it was in, in the church in Corinth at the time, that, that each people, the, some of the people were trying to play the I'm better than you game. You know, we humans, we get up to that every so often. I'm better than you for this reason, I'm better than you for that reason. They were kind of saying, well, I do this, so I'm better because my, my job is more important. My job matters more. And Paul says, no, that's not how it is. You can't take somebody else, another part of the body, and say, because they're not as glamorous, because you just don't like them, you can't hold them at arm's length and say, we don't need you. We definitely do need them. Because there's a lot of parts of the body that they may not be glamorous, but boy, they're necessary. You don't believe me? Go bang your small toe into something. Ain't nothing glamorous about a little toe. But if you, if you didn't have one, trying to walk would be a lot more difficult because it helps you maintain your balance. You whack that thing into it. I mean, the little toe also does a great job of finding the coffee table in the dark. And boy, you know when you found it, didn't you? Such a little thing, the little toe. But man, you stub that, your eyeballs hurt. Because it's all connected. Or sometimes we might even say, well, I'm, I don't matter that much. I can't speak like the preacher. I can't sing like the singers. I can't do this. I can't do that. I, I don't matter. And Paul would say, yes, you do. Because what you bring to the table may not be what they do, but they still need you. Each of us is necessary. We each bring something unique and special to the table. No, you're not like others. And that's exactly why the church needs you. And Paul, when he writes to Ephesus, he, he builds on that image and points out, we are given to help each other grow in Christ. You see, he doesn't say God gives the apostles, he gives the prophets, he gives the teachers, just so we can check off all the boxes. You know, he doesn't say, oh, God gave us all of this, so the worship service is fully staffed. No, he says, God gives these people to us so we can grow in Christ, so we can be mature believers, so we're not tossed to and fro by every idea that comes in, even the ones, Vic, that came from the sci-fi authors. I like sci-fi. Not every idea they, these authors have is a good one. But when we're working properly, when the jobs are getting done, friends, we are helping people become more like Jesus. I want you to think on that for a moment. Each of us is unique. Each of us capable of doing something in some way that is absolutely unique to us. So we are bringing something special, something vital to help others grow closer to Christ. Roll that around in your head. Here's what you ought to come up with. You, individually, sitting there this morning, you, each person in here, has the ability to help others become who God wants them to be. You, 
as an individual, have within yourself the ability to serve other Christians and by so doing, help them become more like Jesus in a way nobody else can, a way that is completely unique to you. I used to teach preachers at St. Louis Christian College, and one of the things I would teach these guys, I'd, you, whenever you're teaching preachers, you got to go over intellectual honesty. Because there's a lot of guys out there, and I've had conversations with some church, churches, and they somehow, some of these guys want to pretend, that, well, nowadays we just download our stuff. I tell you, I've never downloaded a sermon from the internet, not once. Oh, yeah, I steal uh, illustrations. We all steal illustrations. It's been happening for years. But the actual message? No, I write these, folks. And I tell my students, you write them. You know, you may every now and then, once in a blue moon, want to preach a sermon that you heard somebody else preach because they just put it so well. Fine, just tell them that it's so-and-so's sermon, you'll be okay. But on a regular basis, write your own sermons. And I told them, you do this because whoever it is that's working, look, did that sermon that you want to download, they don't know your people. They don't know the folks who are sitting in the pew staring at you on Sunday morning. They know the people at their church, not the people at yours. And what's more, they aren't you. You're not them. They don't have your experiences. You don't have their experiences. You are a different person. The reason God chose you to preach why he called you to this is because your, your mix of talents, your mix of abilities is unique. And God wants you to bring that to the table to help his church grow. I would tell the kids this because otherwise, man, they might go out there and think that, that well, we just download this stuff. No, you got to do the work. Folks, the reason why you need to serve, why you can't just sit back and let everybody else do it, is because you can bring something unique to the table. You have something about you that God has said, you can take this and put it to work in my kingdom and draw people closer to me. Something nobody else can do. Friends, you have that ability. And when we do what God created us to do, we help others become who he has created them to be. They do the same for us. Friends, we serve not just to cover the bases on a Sunday morning. Not just so, well, we got everything covered for VBS. No, we serve because we are helping prepare everybody else for the kingdom of heaven. Why do we do it? Because, friends, eternity is a long time. We do it. Because we're getting ready to be with our God in heaven forever. Jesus is going to call us home. And if we withhold our service, friends, there may be people who will not be there. Wouldn't that be awful? If you get in heaven, you're looking around, hey, where's so-and-so? And Jesus says, well, they were supposed to be here, but there was a little bit of encouragement that you didn't offer. Ooh, that'd sting, wouldn't it? 
No, we are serving. We pitch in. We do what we can do. Because we're looking toward eternity. I'm not talking about be all you can be now. I'm talking about be who God has made you to be so you can help others meet Jesus and find that same forgiveness and redemption and walk with him so others will find that same forgiveness and redemption and walk with him. God has created you, prepared you, and equipped you to serve. Every single person in here. You might be sitting back thinking, oh, preacher, whatever. Oh, I'm dead serious, folks. There is not one Christian who is excused from Christian service. If we want to grow and become like him, the only way that's going to happen is if we become active. If we take our unique selves, our personalities, our backgrounds, and put it to work so we can help others grow in Christ. And that's going to look different for each one of us. You might say, but I can't play the piano. That's fine. You're probably not meant to play the piano. Do what you can do. There is no unimportant role here. Any of you ever do drama stuff in school? Were you ever in a play? Anybody in here? No? Nobody? No one? Yeah. Were you the tree or did you actually have a speaking part? You know, it's... I, I, my freshman year of high school, I did drama and, you know, one play, I had a walk-on part. You know, I didn't have a speaking part. If I hadn't been there, you never would have noticed. Wouldn't have been a thing. That's not how it is in the church. Every role matters somehow. Because one little word of encouragement can mean the world to somebody who's barely hanging on. A couple of sentences might not seem like much. A small conversation might, might be something you'd forget about. But that might give them the strength to keep following Jesus for another week. Yeah, some roles may be more noticeable than others. We usually see the folks who are up front. It's hard to miss the preacher. He gets up there and bores you for a while. Can't miss the song leaders. You might even see some of the other folks scattered around the sanctuary doing stuff. But you know, if you start asking Christians and people who are doing things for the Lord, hey, who are your influences? You may hear about a preacher. You may hear about somebody. But you are just as likely, maybe even more likely, to hear about the folks you never saw. Some Sunday school teacher. Who took an interest in a young kid who didn't have a lot of friends. It might be one of the men of the church that came up to them and said, you know, I got something for you to do. Can you help us with this? And the person thought, well, I never thought of myself as being able to do this, but this person sees me as being able to do this. Maybe I can join in and serve. And then they do and find a whole universe of possibilities open. It might not have seemed like much at the time, but it meant the world. 
Friends, we can't sit back, be passive, and have a great impact. We need to serve. So what do we do with this problem of nobody serving? We need to pitch in and help the body grow. How do we do this? I know it sounds like a big thing. You know, well, we all need to serve. Yeah, okay, preacher. Well, number one, you got to find your spot. You're going to serve, you got to find a spot to do it. Sometimes you're like, well, wait, well how, how do I find my spot? I, 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 I always say, you look for three things where they come together. You know, the Venn diagrams, the circles that overlapped. What are your interests? If you're not interested in it, you probably don't want to do it. If you're, if you're not interested in technology at all, maybe running the soundboard ain't for you. But maybe you are into technology. You love fiddling with computers. Well, have we got a soundboard for you. What are your abilities? You know, if I said, I would love to sing for Jesus, yeah, nobody wants that. Helps to have a little bit of aptitude. You, want, you're, you, you need, need to be able to do something. I see a few of you here who don't get around like you used to. Maybe leading a Christian basketball league isn't really in your giftedness at this point in life. But then who knows? And what are your opportunities? Where is there an opening? If you've got an interest and, you are in, and you're able to do it, you, you've got some, a knack for it, and there's an opportunity, maybe consider that, the Holy Spirit coming up and tapping you on the shoulder. Got a spot for you. Here's something you can do. Where do those three things come together? Where, where can you find your spot? Then you got to jump in. Here it takes some initiative. It's not really possible for us to read each other's minds, is it? You don't believe me? You can play that great game married couples love to play. So, what do you want for dinner? You know what the universal answer to that question is? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? Maybe you need to open a restaurant called, I don't know. What do you want for dinner? What do you want for dinner? I don't know what you want. What do you want for dinner? Okay, we'll go there. We can't read each other's minds. Some people can't look inside your head and say, oh, here's somebody who's interested in serving. You may have to go up to somebody and say, you know, this is some, I'm interested in this. I, I've got a little bit of background in it. I'd like to get involved. Because until they know you want to get involved, it's kind of hard to get you involved. You're going to have to speak up, which uh, to you introverts out there, believe me, I feel your pain. I'm an introvert. I just fake it really well on Sunday mornings. You got to say something. You got to say, hey, I want to join in. But believe me, they're going to be happy when, the, when that happens. It is a vanishingly rare thing for a Christian when somebody says, hey, I want to help out in this ministry for another Christian to be like, yeah, no. No, usually it's, oh yeah, come on in. But for those of you who are involved in something, encourage others. Maybe keep an eye out for protégés and say, 
You know, I got something that might interest you. Here's the thing, though. You got to kindly nudge people. Not come up to them and say, hey, stupid, I got something for you. No. It, do, be positive with them. You know, say something like, hey, I think you'd be great at doing this. I've seen you. you know, it doesn't look like you're, you're doing a lot. Why don't you join with us? I think you, know, you can learn this. We can get you involved. You'd be great at this. Because maybe they haven't thought about it. Maybe they're, they're, they're kind of sitting back waiting for something to happen. Well, you can happen to them. Because each of us has something we can bring to the table. Each of us has something unique about us. Each of us has a way we can serve that will draw others closer to Jesus. And when we do that... We find ourselves closer to Jesus. You know, it's hard to bring people somewhere without going there yourself. You ever notice that? You want to, hey, I'm going to bring you to this new restaurant that I found. What do you have to do? You pick them up, you drive them there, you go in with them, right? You don't stand out and be like, go in, try the spaghetti. What's wrong with the spaghetti? You'll love it. No, I mean, the, the, no. what happens when we bring someone, we go in as well. If we're bringing someone closer to Christ, we can't do that without ourselves becoming closer to Christ. Yeah, we're probably going to have to take our time to reschedule a few things in our lives, to make this a priority, to make service a happening thing for us. But you know what happens if we do it? We're closer to Jesus. And others are closer to Jesus. And that's what matters. Friends, there's nothing else you're going to find to do that's going to matter near as much. Oh, there's a lot of important things you can do in this world, but only working for the kingdom of God is going to last forever. You could build great monuments, they'll crumble. You can be known as a really popular and you know, really well-known celebrity. You can have everybody know your name. New cycle of change, they'll forget you. But that which you do for the kingdom will never be forgotten. Even the little stuff. Jesus at one point says, even if you just give somebody a glass of water in my name. You won't lose your reward. I mean, God is watching even for the little stuff. God's not going to be like, Psh, oh, I forgot about that. That doesn't matter. God's not going to look at your servants and say, that was nothing. No, it all matters. And it matters for far longer than anything else this world can possibly claim. You want to do something that matters? Folks, you serve Jesus. Stand with me and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you do for us. We praise you that you've given us your son, Jesus. That in him we are forgiven. In him we find eternity. Lord, help us to do that which you have, us, have for us to do. Help us to find those works of service that you've set aside for us. That others will know that you are, that you are Lord. That your son, Jesus, has died for us. That they may look forward to being with you. Eternally. Lord, help us, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.